0: From glory to glory and I boldly say I will never ever be the same again in Jesus name amen we expect you to leave here changed and challenged changed and challenged amen praise God I want to talk to you this morning about truth that liberates truth that liberates our text John 8 31 32 if you continue in my word you're my disciples indeed And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what Jesus said. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free. First point I'm gonna talk about there are many, many reasons why we should attend church on a regular basis. Did you get your insert? Did you see the ninety nine reasons why? I thought I can think of a few. When I saw that online, 99 reasons why you should attend church. I thought, that's pretty interesting. And you could read through them. Not not this morning. Take them home and read. Give me your attention up here this morning. I'm going to list a few that were on my heart. Number one, main reason, both testaments indicate that we should. Under the Mosaic law, remember the Sabbath day to do what? Keep it holy. In the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, what are we told to do? Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Okay. All the more when you see the day approaching. Do you see the day approaching? Is Jesus coming soon? Then we're supposed to gather together like this even more, more and more. A second reason, uh, you could say, you could put these all together. Jesus was always in the temple. He was regularly in in the temple the apostles were and the early church gathered on the first day of the week and they met together always then third we got the apostle Paul Uh, the apostle Paul who taught uh, the apostle Paul the the gospel Jesus did and so everything he writes Jesus taught him and what did he do? wherever he went he established a what? church Then then he did what? raised up pastors Timothy was a young pastor Gave instructions how to conduct a public meeting. Do you think God had him establish churches so that no one would attend? I don't think so. What about you? And then the next reason I have listed for you is Jesus addressed the seven churches in Revelation. Those seven churches in Asia Minor, they are on a, a mail route. Starting with one going all the way through this particular mail route. And we believe, many believe that those seven churches represent Jesus dealing with the church from its inception to its departure. So as you read through all those letters, he's addressing the different conditions within the church. So if Jesus saw to it that he would address these pastors and give them letters. And in those letters, they were supposed to read not only in their church, but in all seven churches. They were to exchange the letters. And that people were to read them. Obviously he's dealing with the church. And if you weren't a part of that church. You're kind of by the wayside. You might get it by the wayside. But wouldn't you want to be there to hear what God's speaking. What God is saying. So obviously Jesus felt it necessary to speak to the people of the church. So but then the next one. Which is the one I want to discuss here this morning is this. So that you and I can be an indeed Christian. An indeed disciple. You say what do you mean by that? What was that first verse? What did it say? If you continue in my word, you're my disciple. Indeed. Who wants to be an indeed disciple? I do, don't you? Well, then continue in my word. And what will happen? You will know the truth. And the truth will make you free, right? So you could say it this way. For us to be the disciple he wants us to be, we need to continue in the word so we can learn the truth and apply it to our lives. Isn't that why you want to hear the truth and know the truth? To apply it to your life on a daily basis. Amen? Okay, so secondly, secondly, my second point is it's knowing the truth that liberates. It's knowing the truth that liberates. And we'll look at the latter part first. You should know the truth, and the truth will what? Make you free. What's liberate mean? To free from slavery, imprisonment, or bondage. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be delivered and set free and made whole? Okay, Well, what kind of bondage? What kind of slavery? What kind of imprisonment? What about being a slave to anger? What about being imprisoned by fear or jealousy and other emotions? People are afraid of death. There's the fear of death. There's the fear of failure, the fear of defeat, the fear of even success in some areas. Uh, But the list goes on. We can be imprisoned by our emotions, controlled by our emotions. Well, how am I going to get free? Free from drugs, free from alcohol, free from pornography, free from things that hold people captivated and in bondage you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free so that's why we're here to learn about the truth now the next part of that is you will know the truth, Everybody say no, the Greek word there is ginosko g-i-n-o-s-k-o, it's in your notes it's ginosko and what it means is Something that we experience. It means to know experientially. It's not just surface knowledge of something. It's knowledge that perfectly unites the subject with the object. They come together. In Luke one you you'll see this. Here's Mary responding to angel who said, You will conceive in your womb the Son of God. And she said, Then said Mary to the angel, how shall this be, seeing I, I what? Know not a man. Oh, now, wait a minute, Mary. You're 15 years old. You don't know any men? I'm sure you know your father. I'm sure you know people in the neighborhood, in the temple where you go to worship. You must know a lot of men, Mary. Come on, there are a lot of men that you know. But you see, the word no gnosko, doesn't mean just to know by acquaintance. It's the same word that you find in the Hebrew in in Genesis 4 and verse 1 where uh, it says, And Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare a son. Now wait a minute. Now we understand what he's talking about. What she's talking about. To know does not mean being book smart. It's not what it means. It means experiencing intimate knowledge of something where you actually enter into it so Mary knew a lot of men but she didn't gnosco any do you see that point I'll give you another natural example I'll use this one often brother Dick Umstead he's here with us today I know he's a man that has a lot of knowledge about electricity I know that firsthand because I've seen him work with electricity he's very knowledgeable about electricity but it doesn't mean that it means, I don't know if he ever had this happen to him. Did you ever get zapped by electricity? That is what we're talking about. It's when it hits you and your hair goes up like this. It jolts you back. Now that's the knowledge he's talking about. That's knowing it. We've got a lot of good bakers here today. Anybody here bake cupcakes, cake and, and, and good sauce and stuff like that? And You might know every ingredient that you put in that cake. Just because you know every ingredient doesn't mean you really gnosco it. It's when I put it in my mouth on my tongue. I bite into it and all the flavor just bursts. Do you you see what I mean? Now I know it. Now I know it. It's experienced knowledge. To know experientially. I've entered into it. Taste and see the Lord is good. Someone says, I know the Lord. Yeah, but do you gnosco Him? Do you gnosco the Lord? Have you tasted to see that the Lord is good? Have you entered into an intimate personal relationship with Him in such a way that you know Him? You see the depth of knowledge there? Now, why is this important? Because in 1 Timothy 2, in verse 4, after saying we should pray for those in leadership positions, what does he say? Who will have all men to be saved. Are you glad you're saved this morning? But notice the next word. And. And what? And come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why you're here today. You're saved. But you're more than saved. You're a saved and person. You're saved and. You want to come to the knowledge. The word knowledge there is a Greek word. Epignosco. Gnosco. But epignosco. The full knowledge. You want to come unto the knowledge of truth and that's what God wants for all of us no one left behind and so that's why we continue coming to church studying and etc now point three if God wants that for all of us then what in the world is the real source of truth what's the real source of truth how am I really going to find truth do I go to an archaeologist and find truth there do I go to a scientist a biologist An astronomer, an astrologer, anybody that's involved in astrology or the sciences and psychology and all that, is that where I'm going to get ultimate truth? What's my source for ultimate truth? Well, let's find out. Look in the book of uh, John, John's gospel, chapter 18. This is Jesus before Pilate and Jesus is, you know, going to die here pretty soon. Pilate therefore said to him, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. That I should bear witness unto the what? Everyone that is of the what? Truth. Hears my voice. Look at the next part of this. Pilate saith unto him. What is truth? And here's what happened. When he made that statement. He asked that question. What is truth? He turned and walked away and said. I find no fault in this man, just let him go. You know what? I, f- I feel bad a- f- about this for Pilate. Pilate should have stayed there and listened to the answer. He said, What is truth? What is truth? Jesus, I'm sure, would have answered the question. Here's what he would have said in John 14:6. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. He would have said, John 17, 17, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Where are we going to find ultimate truth? He was the truth in manifestation. He came to bear witness to the ultimate truth. And then what about this one in John 16, 13? As a matter of fact, it's so foreign to man in the natural world. This is what we need. How be it he, when he, the spirit of what? Truth has come. What's he going to do? Guide you in all the truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And what's he going to do? Show you things to come. Guess what? We're not smart enough to understand truth. You can dig deep as you want as an archaeologist. You're not going to find the ultimate truth. You know what truth is? It's the ultimate reality lying at the basis of appearance. And I'm going to show you something. You can never discover it on your own. Neither could I, no matter what profession that you're in. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Listen to what it says. Through faith, we understand. I want to show you how to study Scripture. Stop right there. Through faith, we what? Through what? Archaeological discoveries, scientific discoveries, biological discoveries. Through faith, we what? Well, what are we going to understand? That the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Guess what? You want to know how the world came into being and manifestation? You want to know all about creation? You understand that through faith. Not through natural means or methods. And if you don't have faith to believe that God spoke everything into, into existence. Go back to the very beginning. And what do you find out? This place was a mess. It was in a chaotic state. And God is looking over the face of the earth. And his spirit is hovering over the face of the deep. And finally God says let there be light. Boom. And there is light. And God said let there be. And there was. What came first? The chicken or the egg? God said chicken be. God said tuna be. Are you getting this? You want to understand creation? You got to have faith. You don't have any faith. You want to understand creation. You can search for it all, all you want. As long as you want. You'll never find it. Because it's by faith you understand how the worlds are framed. How about this one? You want to know what holds this world together? That's why I just laugh when I hear all these people saying, We're destroying the atmosphere. We're going to destroy the earth. Really? Well, let me tell you what holds it together. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us all things are held together by the word of his power. No smog that you can make is stronger than the word of his power. Do you understand that? You see what I mean? You can't. You can't. You can't understand these things in a natural. How about this one? All those people on the cruise right now, if you're watching, hello. They're going to be at some beach somewhere, laying out in 85 degree weather, just soaking up the sun and all the mighty waters of the ocean along the seashore where it meets the sand. You want to know why that water With all, I mean, think about all the gallons of water in the world. Don't flood the earth again. You want to know why that doesn't happen? Because. Oh I know. Because of the moon and the gravitational pull. And, no. No. God spoke a perpetual decree. That the water shall not pass over. It's stopped by the word of his power. And it will not pass over. Well what about when a storm comes and it passes over? It will go back. It's going back. See you're going to have storms in life. But stay with the word. It'll go back. You got to go back. By faith we understand. See if you try to figure it out. With our small brains. Oh my goodness. It's not going to happen. And then we could just go and really delve into this. You realize if we were just a smidgen away. Further from the sun. Further away we'd freeze to death. If we were a smidgen closer, we'd all burn up. Who controls the universe? How? By the word of his power. And once he spoke, everything came into being. And once he spoke, everything is maintained, propelled, sustained by the word of his power. And it's not going to change because little man on the earth has all his little things that he does. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. This, this world's going to, yes, it's going to be changed by fire, refurbished and all that. We understand that. But you know what? That's when God speaks again. Okay. I think I'm done with that. Next one. And my final point. It's knowing the truth. This is what I want to get to that really liberates. It's knowing the truth. But before I share some of this with you, I want you to look at Ephesians 4 and verse 15 if you back it up to verse 11, it goes like this. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that we all come to a, a place of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, and a full measure of the stature of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro by everyone to doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they the lying way to deceive, but speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth How? With a condescending attitude. Full of pride and arrogance. Condemning people. Speaking the truth in love. May grow up into him and in all things. Which is the head even Christ. We're talking about truth that liberates. Truth will liberate. And when people get a hold of the truth. You know what? It will set them free from their prison. It will deliver them from their slavery. It will release them from their bondage. Well what area? Whatever the area of truth now look in the book of acts if you recall the story when uh, the demon was cast out oh, i'm sorry this this fellow had uh, a demon and the seven sons of sceva they were going there to cast this devil out and they went up to the guy that was possessed with the, the devil seven of them and they said uh we adjure thee by jesus whom paul preaches come out of him and the devil inside the person said we know Paul and we know Jesus but who in the world are you to tell us to come out and the demon that was in the man jumped on the seven and the the Bible says that they departed naked and wounded how about that naked and wounded And when they got wind of this blessed truth, there's only one name that casts out devils. There's only one name that sets the captives free. When they got wind of that power, look at the effect it had on these people. And this was known. We're talking about knowledge. To all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was what? And magnified, and many that believed came, confessed, and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used sorcery or curious arts brought their books together, burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it, 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. You get me a bunch of people together that practice sorcery and witchcraft and and spiritualism and all that sort of stuff. Okay, bring them all together here. Try to penetrate their thoughts. Try to get them to bring all their curious art books and incantations and all that. You're going to have a struggle on your hands. But I'm telling you, when eyes are open and the truth prevails, like we just read there, they gladly brought them on their own. Do, do you see that? You see why what we need to do is continue to promote the truth in people's lives. But do it in love. Speak the truth and love. You're not to condemn and condescend. Look at the next uh, scriptures in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 from the New Living Translation. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge. Notice in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You're made holy. You're made right with God. By the calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the spirit of our God. Notice what they were. As opposed to what they are. Now you've got to have some background history here. Corinthian. You know what it meant if you were called. He or she lives like a Corinthian. It meant you left, lived a life of the, of. Immoral debauchery. Immoral, drunken debauchery. Excessive participation in sensual pleasures and desires. You see, back in Corinth, they had the temple, Aphrodite. And they had a thousand prostitutes that they kept, that they hired. It was a city where sailors and businessmen traveled constantly. And there was nothing but immorality and debauchery. That's what they were noted for. And if you were called a Corinthian lass, was not a good name. You were called a prostitute in in actuality. But remember, Aphrodite, this is the God of love. He's writing to people that went to the temple and, and and they worshiped this way. They had orgies, drunken parties. This was done in the temple. They were hired by the temple. Now imagine this. And what does Paul say? You were like that. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You've been sanctified. You've been delivered and set free. And if you read the rest of that chapter and go into chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, you know what you find out? Here's what he says. Your belly's for food. In in in, in your in foods for your belly, okay. He said, for example, you don't. How many here eat glass? I know there's some crazy people out there. Did you ever see one of those programs? This lady eats like a whole cushion a day, foam cushion. I thought that she used salt, pepper, or ketchup, or what. You ever see some of those? Oh, I've seen some of those where they eat all this crazy stuff. All right, I'm not talking about them. That's not, they're not normal. Okay. Food is for the belly and the belly's for food. God designed both. Can, we understand that, right? Okay. He goes on to say, and the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. That's what he goes on to say. So he's talking about sexual immorality in that whole chapter. He says, don't you know if you take your body to a prostitute, you become one with that prostitute? Don't you realize that, he said? The body's for the Lord, not for anything like sexually immoral. And he named the things that were he, he considered sexually immoral. Then it goes on that it's chapter 7 chapter where he, they wrote then to him. You can understand now why they wrote because they were used to this lifestyle. Well, then is a good for us not to touch a woman. He said, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. He said, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every wife have his own, her own husband. Is that pretty clear? You think God was looking down through the ages and saw what he sees today happening, like when Sodom and Gomorrah? Sure. And what's he saying? To avoid fornication, you got to have your own wife and have your own husband. He called them both out. and Then he said this. And gentlemen, this will cost you a nickel at the door. He says, and then your body doesn't belong to yourself. He was saying, the wife, your body belongs to your husband. And if his needs are get met, then meet him. And he doesn't... It, I don't think somewhere it says, don't even talk about headache. I think it's in there somewhere. It depends on the translation that you're looking at. And vice versa. But then he goes on and says this. The only way that you refrain from that kind of fulfillment is how? Fasting and prayer. And that by mutual consent. Because you see, if they don't consent to it, then you say, okay, that's fine. But he said, but don't stay apart too long, because if you do, Satan will come along and tempt you for your incontinency. Did you ever read that? So in other words, if you withhold conjugal rights from your spouse, you might as well just put him or her in the palm of your hand and just say, go ahead, devil. He or she is all yours. Go ahead. That's what they're doing. See, it's speaking the truth in love that we communicate these things in such a way so as to open up people's understanding. Now, let me ask you this. Who has a right to govern our lives? Who has a right to establish social laws? Who has a right to establish moral laws? Did anybody here create yourself? Is it his kingdom in the, in the future or is it our kingdom? So if it's his kingdom, what should we do? Abide by his commandments. His rules and regulations. Isn't that all true? Right. So I just had to throw that out there. Because we're living in a terrible time right now. So take that for what it's worth. And be educated and help other people to see the truth. But do it in a loving and non-condescending way. You know why? Because you've got to watch out for yourself. Because you're a human being as well. You could fall yourself. Maybe in another area of your life. Okay, now next. Luke. This is Healing Sunday. So look at Luke 13. This is the story of the woman... Who was bowed over it. Now you've got to see this. Ever see someone that was like this and could in no wise lift up herself? Can you imagine walking for eighteen years like this and and to see someone you you, you can hardly look up? Eighteen years. How sad. I, I can just hear all the people's thoughts. I wonder if she sinned in, in all this and all that. And that's her punishment or that's her cross to bear. None of that's true. That's not truth. But Jesus is about to share the truth. When he saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, you are loosed. What? She's about over. No, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. What? didn't he say the truth to make you free knowing the truth to make you free well guess what then he just laid his hands on her and she was instantly healed of that infirmity to show that it was true and you know why it was true because she was a daughter of Abraham I'll show you that in a minute but here's what happens to show you what religion is like she gets healed in 18 years she hasn't stood up like this to see anybody can you imagine how joyful she must have felt at that moment well here's what happens The ruling religious leaders get wind of it. This happened on the Sabbath day. There are so self-righteous. There are more days of the week that you can heal. Not on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is so subtle and so quiet and so timid. No. He shouts out and says, you hypocrites. How about that indictment against those religious leaders? You hypocrites. Do you go water your livestock on the Sabbath day? Uh, they wouldn't answer him. Well, yeah. Why? It's a necessity. Then ought not this woman, look at the verse, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath, what? What? Bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. You know how God views sickness and disease and healing? Healing is a necessity. It's not a luxury, it's a necessity. Do you see that? Healing also is a rescue. He healed another on the Sabbath day, they did the same thing to him. You know what he said? Don't you go rescue your little lamb. If your little lamb falls in a ditch on the Sabbath day. Then this man ought to be healed on the Sabbath day. Know how he views healing then? As a rescue. He views it as a necessity. And we should all see it that way. He wants us well. And so the woman is now healed. And why is she healed? See, there's two things she didn't know. It's in your notes. Number one, she didn't know she was already loosed. Oh, we can walk Bound that way. Not even know it. And then secondly, she didn't know because she was a daughter of Abraham. She had a covenant right for healing. It was her covenant right. Remember the Syrophoenician woman? When Jesus said to her, Look, it's not right for me to give you, you a Gentile, the children's bread. Remember he said that to her? And what did she say back? Truth, Lord. You spoke the truth. But dogs can eat the crumbs. Oh, Jesus just about jumped out of his tunic. He said, great is your faith. She knew a crumb had the same ingredients as the whole cake. Or the whole loaf of bread. I don't want the children's bread. Just give me the crumb that falls and I'll get my healing. And her daughter was... And Jesus said to her, for that saying, the devil's gone out of your daughter. How about that? For what you said, the devil's gone out of your daughter. And she was completely healed. And made whole. But then there's a next one. Look at John's Gospel chapter 9. I love this. I taught this on on Friday at the healing class. Before we read that. Let me give you a background. This man was born blind. Now some commentators. And commentaries. You can read them for yourself. Some think he may have been born without eyeballs in his sockets. Okay. I'm not being dogmatic about it. We know he was blind. We know he couldn't see. But when Jesus saw him, what did he do? He spat, the Bible says, on the ground and made what? Clay out of the spittle. And he took it and placed it on his, where the eyes should be or over the eyes if he had the eyeballs. And said, now go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he goes to the pool of Siloam where he washes And when he washes in the pool of Siloam, he comes back seeing. Now, mind you, this man was born that way. Born blind. You think there's a little bit of joy? You think there's some enthusiasm and excitement? Well, trust me, no small stir took place among the people. But guess what? The religious leaders heard it and said, You really born blind? You sure he's not lying, making up a story? Uh, No, guys, we know this guy. He wasn't. He's born blind. He's not lying. We don't believe you. We're going to see his parents. Went over to saw the parents and said, "Is this your son that was born blind?" That's our son, and he was born blind. Well, how's he see now? I don't know. They said he's of age. Go ask him. So he was an elderly person, older person, wasn't a baby. So they go to him, they find him and they say to him, by what means were you made whole? By what means were you able to seek? He said, well, Jesus, or some, he said who it was, the prophet came in and, and, and they said to him, we know he's a liar, he's a sinner. Tell me again, how are you? Give credit to God. He said, I told you once. Why would you want to hear it again? Are you too want to become his disciple? Oh, were they infuriated? You want to be his disciple too? Put up the scriptures now. Verse 24. Then again they called the man that was blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. See how blind you can be? Don't know the truth? He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But now notice this. One thing I know. I like that. One thing I know. And what's that, sir? That whereas I was blind, but now I see. (laughs) (laughs) Then said they to him again, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already. And you did not hear. Boy, what a truth that is. Most men fall in that category. And ladies, that will cost you a dime at the door. (laughs) Wherefore would you hear it again? Would you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him. Oh, now they're really infuriated. And they said, you are his disciple. But we, look at this. Arrogant, prideful attitude. We are Moses' disciple. Hmm. We know that God spake to Moses. As for this fellow. We know not from whence he is. The man answered and said. Now mind you. This is a man that's blind and can't see. And in the physical. But I tell you what. He had some pretty good spiritual insight. The man answered and said to them. Oh why herein is a marvelous thing. That you know not from whence he is. And yet he had opened mine eyes. Now we know. We're talking about what we know. You shall know the truth. We know that God hears not sinners. If they would have taken this man's reasoning. Their eyes would have been open. Notice. But if any man be a worshiper of God. And doeth his will. He hears him. Now notice this next statement. Powerful. Since the world began. Was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one. That was born blind. If this man were not of God. He could do nothing. They answered and said unto him. Thou wast altogether born in sins. And dost thou teach us. And they cast him out. Now I want to focus on that one statement. Since the world began. If you look it up. If you do it in the Greek. It says from eternity. Has it ever been known that a man who was born blind had his eyes open? Remember they said they were of who? Moses. You ready for this? Of all the 76 miracles that Moses has accredited to his ministry. Attributed to his ministry. And that's two more than all the other prophets put together. 76. All the others put together only did 74. One man, 76 miracles. Okay? Not one time was it opening up the eyes of the blind. It's never been heard. But guess what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 35:5, 4 and 5? He said, The time is going to come when the Messiah comes, and the first thing the Messiah is going to do is open the eyes of the blind. Did you get that? He's going to open the eyes of the blind, the lame will leap as an heart. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. Why am I saying this? You say you trust Moses. Moses didn't do any of that. And Isaiah prophesied and said that when the Messiah comes, he's going to do what's never been done before. And there he is among them, and he did it. And they didn't believe. How sad. And then there's one more. And we'll close with this one. In John's gospel chapter 5. Let me give you a setting. Background setting too. Before I read those verses. This is at the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda is a house of mercy. That's what Bethesda means. House of mercy. Well at the house of mercy. Here's what's happening. There's a pool there. And at one season. At a, at a certain season. Now it could have been maybe four times a year. Different seasons. I don't know. But at a certain season. An angel came down. And what did the angel do? Trouble the water. And when the water was troubled. The first person to step in. No matter what he had. Was instantly healed. That's like a gift of the spirit. Okay. But let's just leave it at that. And a man is lying in that condition. This man's 38 years old. had never walked. And he's. There, day in and day out, by the pool of Bethesda, which is the what? House of mercy. Right? And what's he want? Just to get into the water. Just to get into the water. And now let's pick it up in the scriptures. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had down being a long time in that case, he says to him, will you be made whole? (laughs) That mean like, you know, him thinking... I've been here for who knows how long waiting for the water to be troubled and you're asking me, do I want to be home? He could have been sarcastic and said, why do you think I'm here? What makes you think I'm lying here for nothing in this place by this pool? For Yes, i want to be made whole. But the imp- impotent man says this, sir, I have no man. We're always looking for somebody to do it, aren't we? I have no man when the water's troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another step's down before me. Stop right there. It is a dog-eat-dog world at the house of mercy. He probably said, the last time it was troubled, someone had a sniffle. And he jumped in. And by the way, there was another one. This fellow was, he, he was born blind too. You know, and the water was troubled and he was asking, you know, which way is the water? And someone pointed him in the opposite direction. He turned around, he's going the opposite way. Away from the water. It's a dog-eat-dog world at the, at the house of mercy. Dog-eat-dog world. You see, I have no man to put me in. Boy, I wish I could just worm my way in. But by the time I get there, someone else gets their healing. And, and immediately Jesus said what? Jesus said to him, I feel so bad for you. My heart aches for you. I'm, I'm going to have a couple of guys that I'm going to commission them just to come here and stand by you. So the next time the water's troubled, they put you in first. I might even get a guard to stand around to anybody else. No matter how sick they are, I'm going to keep them away. Jesus doesn't even respond to the man's head. What's he say? Rise, take up your bed you rise you take up your bed and walk what's holding you down my brother what's holding you down my sister what's stopping you from being released from your freedom or, or from, from your problem from your, from your prison from your bondage or whatever it is God wants us to just muster up all the faith that we can and start saying I'm getting up from this place I'm rising up from this place no matter what they did to me yesterday. It's not going to affect me today or tomorrow. I'm rising up. I'm stepping up. I'm going out. I'm going out. Praise God Almighty. I'm not going down in defeat. And immediately the man was made whole. And he took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was there. He goes, Jesus was healing on the Sabbath all the time. But notice all, all Jesus gave him some knowledge that he didn't have. Take up your bed and walk. You mean I could have been? I could have done that long time. Yes, because you have a covenant with God, but see, He didn't know that. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Knowing the truth makes us free, but it's entering into the full revelation of it. So, in conclusion, First Peter two twenty four is our our verse. Who His own self, that's Jesus, bear our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live to what? Righteousness by whose stripes you might it's a possibility it's going to happen by whose stripes you what were healed and the Greek word for healed all those that want to say that's just spiritual sorry that Greek word means physical by whose stripes you were what hi pastor Bill here I want to thank you for joining us today on behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school. If you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world, through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I opened the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.